G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're back today around the battle that is raging to defend women and girls against those who are becoming known as the transgender bullies in sport. Well, there are some positive developments that we might be encouraged by that some common sense voices are being heard. There is a move that's coming out of Tasmania to change the Sex Discrimination Act 1984 because it no longer protects women. When it was last amended in 2013 to be more inclusive, the biological definitions of woman and man were deleted. Well, our special guest today says transgender activists are abusing that flawed law. They can now threaten legal action against sports clubs and volunteers who offer single-sex sporting events to girls and women. It's forcing women to compete against men in sports. Kira Lee Smith leads the organisation called Binary and has been one of those prominent voices standing up to the rampant campaign to de-gender Australian society. Uh, You might remember the marriage alliance in the lead up to the marriage debate and the vote that came in 2017. Binary is like a rebranding of marriage alliance and Kira Lee Smith is joining us. Hi Kira Lee, welcome back to 2020. Thanks for having me Neil. Kiralee, you want to see women and girls enjoying the safe and fair playing field they deserve. Give us your insights here in a big picture sense about what's going on right now. Yeah, absolutely, Neil. And I think that's a fair and reasonable view that the majority of Australians would actually hold, that we want a safe and fair playing field for all women and girls in sport as well as other services and spaces uh, that we have, there's clear physiological differences between males and females. And I don't think that's very disputed except by a very small minority who are trying to or attempting to compete as females, whereas they're biological males. So we know that biological males have the advantage of testosterone production throughout uh, puberty and beyond, which, you know, is, is one aspect of their physical advantage, but they also generally have large bone structures, greater bone density, uh, greater blood volume, uh, lung capacity, uh, all of those things that enable a male to have greater strength, stamina and Speed when it comes to sport, and so uh, for throughout the ages, we've separated males and females, particularly when it comes to physical uh, things such as sport, because there's clear advantages that males have. So, um, as you mentioned, <clears throat> the Sex Discrimination Act 
no longer describes or defines sex, so there's no protections in there, and that's being taken advantage of by transgender activists. I forget how many years it is now that I've been saying that women would be the biggest losers out of a dismantling of the definition of marriage, but this is one of those things that comes as a natural progression. If you remove male and female and if you dismantle the definitions of marriage, then all sorts of things like this develop. And there are few who are standing and making their voice heard, but there is one from Tasmania, a Senator Claire Chandler. She's launched a move to change the Sex Discrimination Act 1984 because it no longer protects women. Uh, what are your connections there with Senator Claire Chandler and uh, what's she saying? Well, Senator Claire Chandler is one of my heroes. <laughs> She's an amazing young lady from uh, Tasmania who is a Liberal senator at, at the federal level. And she has announced that she will be uh, producing a private senator's bill to reintroduce sex into the Sex Discrimination Act. Now, isn't it staggering that we even have to say that? Uh, the bill was first formed in 1984, but in 2013, when the Labor government were in power... <clears throat> They, uh, in all their wisdom, <laughs> in inverted commas, decided they would remove the definitions of male and female, man and woman. So the Sex Discrimination Act no longer uh, protects sex at all. And um, Senator Claire Chandler realises that this is a very, very strategic and key aspect of this whole debate and argument and, and the protections of women. So unfortunately, she's had to do it as a private senator's bill because her party uh, at, at this stage is not on board, but we are hoping and praying and we will certainly be campaigning very strongly to convince the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, and to convince the Minister for Women, Maurice Payne, that they need to get behind this bill and it needs to pass in its totality so that women and girls can be protected in this nation once again. Lots of things to enlarge on, but let's see if we can catch a bunch of different dimensions here as the conversation continues to develop, Kiralee. It's more than sport. Uh, in fact, the nomination and selection process for the New South Wales Woman of the Year 2021 has begun. Is that uh, is that something that's current right now? Uh, because uh, because there was an issue there last year, wasn't there? Yes, for several years in a row now, there has been an issue because the rules uh, for nomination simply state that anyone who identifies as a woman is a woman. And so a number of years ago, there was a uh, male truck driver who identified as a woman and he made it as a finalist into the New South Wales Women of the Year Awards. And again, this year, uh, the, the category is exactly the same. And uh, the, I'm not sure if the nominations have closed yet, but the finalists certainly haven't been announced. Uh, but there's every possibility that there could be male-bodied uh, male people who are up for the, the running and up for the award, which is uh, quite strange and ludicrous. Uh, but our, I, I've yet to hear from our new Premier, Don Perrottet, what his position is, but... Uh, former Premier Gladys Berejiklian and the Minister for Women, uh, Bronnie Taylor in New South Wales, uh, seem to go along with the line, or they, they wrote to me and said that anyone who wants to be a woman can be a woman. 
So last year, as I understand it, one of the finalists was actually a man. So while the winner last year wasn't a man, uh, when there's a finalist, that creates the possibilities. And even the fact that there is a finalist means that probably at least one woman was denied an opportunity there. Oh, 100%, Neil. Absolutely, a woman was denied an opportunity. Now, I think it's important to realise when you read through the achievements of the other finalists were outstanding. You know, scientists and doctors and women who have uh, supported other women through domestic violence and through, you know, uh, immigrants coming into this country have had very difficult times. Um, Amazing, amazing women. And the, the male finalist was simply an activist who, uh, you know, had achieved getting a Mardi Gras in his local town. So it's kind of a slap in the face, really, to uh, women who have achieved so much and who deserve the recognition and who are getting cast aside because a male who puts on a costume or takes some pills uh, says he's now a woman. Now, another issue too, and we'll come back and we'll talk some more about that, but you helped raise a loud voice to support Mark Latham and his parental rights bill in New South Wales. Uh, there were some big issues there, and uh, those sorts of things are still at play. Parental rights in schools, and this comes down to uh, these issues around gender as well. Yes, um, Mark Latham's bill, and uh, there's a, a subsequent hearings and a wonderful report that's been published was into parental rights and the teaching of gender fluidity in New South Wales schools. It was a very comprehensive uh, inquiry that the committee conducted and Mark and his colleagues have come back with a very detailed report. You can find our summary of the report on binary.org.au and he's made some fantastic recommendations to ensure parents have a say over their children and what they're being taught in our schools and that they would have the ability to withdraw their children from inappropriate lessons. Uh, that, however, has not gone before the Parliament, those recommendations, and the government has it under consideration. Um, it will be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of these kind of reports, again, get shoved to the side, and in the, the current climate of COVID, things are getting missed or ignored. So, uh, we're, again, we're hoping and praying that these recommendations will be seriously considered by the government and they will make the appropriate changes to protect parental rights and to protect children in our schools. Kira Lee, there's a very strong word that keeps recurring and I used it in our introduction today and it's a word I know you are using and uh, it's the word bully. And bullying, uh, you say there are some transgender bullies who are vicious And they want to win at all costs. And uh, we hate that word bullying. So many people who can reminisce about their own days in the schoolyard remember what the schoolyard bully was like and uh, the idea of forcing people to do things against their will and to, you know, bow in subjection to their uh, might and power. Uh, This idea bullying, when you use that in relation to transgender bullies, how do you mean that? And uh, when you say they're vicious, uh, I mean, some people say, why don't you put a name to all of this? Because sometimes it's difficult because a lot of these people in the Uh, the way these things happen, are nameless or faceless. They're behind the scenes. They're working away. What are your thoughts here on the bullying in the transgender issues that uh, we're up against in Australia? 
Oh, look, they're, they're, it does encompass a very broad range from, you know, I can speak from my social media pages. Some of the uh, activists that come on are very rude. Uh, they make threats. They uh, call people names. They insult others um, while all usually while refusing to engage with the actual argument themselves. Right through to, you know, there were bullies who, who attempted to have Claire Chandler uh, present herself before the Anti-Discrimination Board in Tasmania for falling foul of the Sex Discrimination Act. Uh, thankfully, she's a very courageous, very intelligent woman and uh, she took it head on and that was dismissed. Uh, but there, those bullies, those same bullies, uh, I guess, try and come up against people maybe without the same uh, level of confidence and uh, knowledge that someone like Claire Chandler might have in, in an attempt to silence us. There has been women around the world who have lost their jobs for speaking out. We've seen the incredible harassment of author J.K. Rowling, who um, might not agree with many of her sentiments or expressions of you know, life, but she um, she was threatened. Her address was published on the internet. Uh, she received death threats, all for, for defending sex-based realities. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might like to join into our conversation today. Our special guest is Kiralee Smith. Kiralee leads the organisation called Binary. She's been one of those outspoken voices, a champion standing up to the rampant campaign to de-gender Australian society. Now, you can join in our conversation. You might have your own thoughts about girls and equal playing fields. Uh, there's all sorts of dimensions in all of that. Uh, so 1-800-316-316. Uh, trans activists abusing some flawed laws and uh, Senator Claire Chandler from Tasmania saying she wants man and woman reinstated in the Sex Discrimination Act. 1-800-316-316. Kiralee, let's talk about perhaps uh, some examples, some stories about how this is happening right now. Uh, what comes to mind for you? Look, I have many examples of personal stories that mums and dads uh, email to me on a weekly basis. Um, of course, I'm not going to name those people or even the, some of those sports because they're, they're community sports and these are communities that are being very uh, deeply affected by teenage boys who now identify as females girls playing in those community sports. There might be boys or families that the families have grown up knowing and playing sport alongside and now it's become a very contentious issue in some of those. And we've had reports from, you know, basketball, AFL, little athletics, uh, you name it. It's happening here in Australia. Uh, recently, this wasn't so much a trans thing, but it highly illustrates the differences between boys and girls. And we see this around the world, but Queensland uh, netball held a tournament and they allowed a teenage boys team uh, to participate and uh, they absolutely thrashed even the top-ranked women's teams uh, in that tournament. We see it in soccer. Uh, I think it was in Argentina uh, recently where the same thing happened. Uh, just overnight, we've heard that a swim, a college swim star is breaking all of the uh, women's records, the collegiate record, uh, records in the 100, 200 and 500 metre freestyle. 
but it turns out that he's actually a biological male and uh, he's been permitted to identify as female, we, uh, go in these races and absolutely smash the records. But it's not a female who's smashing the female records, it's a male. So what happens if there is a change back the other way, if there is a restoration of binary, male and female? Uh, I guess you'll have to rewrite all the record books again because those people would be written out of them and there'll, of course, be a a major push to try and keep uh, those uh, male trans swimmers in the record books. Uh, So uh, challenging times ahead because now that the the genie's out of the bottle, uh, the the can of worms is open, uh, very, very difficult to be able to deal with it if it gets, you know, into the broader, wider general population. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we've just recently had the Olympics this year in Tokyo and the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, came under great pressure because they permitted several transgender athletes to compete. And they were in almost every case, every case, they were a a male who identified as female. There was a couple of non-binary women, but they still played in the female competitions. And they've kind of come under fire because they're only... Uh, requirement was their testosterone levels were lowered. Uh, However, there was a great outcry, of course. So now the IOC has passed the buck, basically, and said it's up to each sporting organisation to write their own rules. And uh, this is going to cause chaos. As I said, I hear a lot about community sports. I hear from the board members of state sports uh, in this country who feel like their hands are tied because, one, we have the Anti-Discrimination Sex Act. We also have the IOC rules and the national sporting bodies. Sport Australia, uh, our sporting organisation, all say that anyone who identifies as a woman can be a woman. So there's absolutely no protection for girls or women in sport in this country and it's uh, creating chaos at a community level. Kiralee, there's a lot of stories, I think, coming out of Europe and uh, particularly around soccer teams. That's another big dimension there, which no doubt will find its way here. Oh, most definitely. There's two examples that spring to mind. One is uh, a very, very uh, awesome uh, women's, the most elite women's team. Uh, it may have been European or South American. I, I'd have to check my records. But one of the, the most elite women's team went up against the 15 and 16-year-old boys from the same nation and they were thrashed, absolutely thrashed, because there is a clear advantage that males have over women. Also recently, it was a Middle Eastern soccer team that uh, had a goalie who uh, it's, it, they've accused that that is a biological male uh, posing as a female or in appropriating womanhood and there's been a great uproar but very little proof or evidence at this stage of whether he is male or female but uh, all, all indications are that he's male who identifying as female and it's uh, his team again won drastically against their opponents. And disturbing when you say these things are happening in our local communities here in Australia and you were reluctant to name towns or teams, but this is actually happening and becoming more widespread here. Yes, we're, we're getting reports every day and I work closely uh, with Save Women's Sports Australia and they're also getting lots of reports. But yes, it's happening, as I said, uh, basketball, netball, soccer, AFL, you know, and, and when you've got sports like AFL or rugby league where this is happening, you're also putting women or girls at great risk because the physicality of those contact sports can cause great damage. 
we we know around the world girls uh, you know whether it's in boxing even you know some some women have had their heads literally smashed in by their male opponents who are posing as females we've had um, other sports require great stamina whether it's cycling climbing athletics and and males are starting to move up through the ranks uh, who are identifying as females it's it's grossly unfair but it's it has that extra layer when it's community sport, as I said, that it harms the community and it tears the community apart because the officials want to do the right thing by the girls, of course, but they also don't want to fall foul of the Anti-Discrimination Act and they also don't want to offend uh, the male who was identifying as female. But as you said earlier, it's women who are the losers in that scenario. Kira Lee, let's come into uh, perhaps a spiritual context here because as we're talking about these things and I know you hold a deep Christian faith and uh, so many of our listeners will as well and to hear these things and how they go against the grain of where our theological position might lie about a binary position that there are male and there are female. In fact, God in the beginning created them, male and female and we say there's no room there for the sorts of crossovers that we see developing here in Australia. For Christians who have been reluctant to get into this because somehow or other it looks really messy, what are your thoughts for for where Christians might stand and how we might think about these things? Uh, Look, Neil, I think that Christians need to speak out and to speak truth. Uh, Truth isn't just a great idea. Truth is a person and his name is Jesus. And Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through him. And so we know that he is the truth. So to speak the truth is to speak love, is to uh, to stand up and to be counted for, for Christ. And I think it's a really important thing. As you said, right there at the beginning of the Bible, God said he created male and female, and that was very good. And we're made in his image. And so this is an attack by the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. It is an attack that the Marxist uh, agenda in particular has taken as its own to destroy gender, to destroy family. It's very anti-God, anti-Christ in many many ways. And it's, uh, it's, it's somewhere where we can be a light and we can shine. We can help people embrace who they are created in the image of God because there's no mistakes. There's no... Uh, you know, God God is not at fault here and it's our opportunity to help people embrace who they are, uh, male or female, and then, you know, countless expressions of what that looks like. So I think we have a message of hope in our message of truth and a message of truth is always a message of love. It's one thing to speak up. It's one thing to lobby. Uh, it's another thing too to actually see something through to bring about change. And so far as change goes and real practical outcomes at the end of it, you're looking to put your weight behind the changes to a Sex Discrimination Act and help to make that an election issue. We've got another election coming early next year. How would you actually approach that and elevating these things to a point where every Australian might be thinking about that as they're casting a vote? Oh, look, we've got so many ideas now. Right now, this week in Western Sydney, we have what we call a truth truck driving around with a a big digital message on the side about saving women's sport and protecting girls in sport. And we're driving that around to key areas as the uh, council elections are happening this weekend, tomorrow in New South Wales. So that will be one thing that we do. 
Uh, we will be looking for, you know, things like core flutes, uh, some demonstrations of people coming together to proclaim the beauty on the differences of males and females. But we will be particularly targeting, as I said, the politicians and letting them know that this is uh, this is an important issue for Australians and that it's time they draw a line in the sand and that they are going to either defend biological sex-based rights or they're going to promote a very radical political ideology. So uh, we also um, very shortly will be announcing some poll results that we've done on women's sports and uh, I think that that will be a really strong indicator for those politicians that this is a very serious issue for their constituents. Kira Lee Smith leads the organisation called Binary and has been one of those very prominent voices standing up to the rampant campaign to degender Australian society. Kira Lee is our special guest. And uh, Kira Lee, just coming back to safe and fair for a few moments, because at the simplest way that you can look at this argument, if you have daughters or granddaughters, having a a playing field that they deserve. It's going to take people who are brave. It's going to be taking people who are going to be committed to, you know, putting a few dollars in too uh, for campaigns that are going to resist these things. But our little girls and our granddaughters are the ones who are biggest at risk here. What are your thoughts? Absolutely, Neil. And, you know, trans activists are so vocal and uh, so accusatory in their campaigns. They label anyone a transphobe or a bigot who, you know, doesn't want to accept a biological male in a female space. And uh, unfortunately, they have had so so much success over the years and uh, probably before many Australians even woke up. You know, this isn't an overnight thing. This is something that was happening well before 2013, but in 2013 when the definitions of uh, male and female were removed from the Sex Discrimination Act. Uh, that's what's now enabled them to do what they're doing. And so we have a long way to catch up and a long way to go in convincing our politicians to change the laws. Uh, they're very bad laws and they need to be, uh, we need to have sex reinstituted into the Sex Discrimination Act so that we can protect uh, women and girls not just in sport, but in all women's spaces and services, such as change rooms, uh, women's shelters, uh, prisons even, uh, all the places where we have separated women and girls for their own protection, their own development and their own promotion. We used to think our politicians represented the constituents of their electorate. More and more, when a politician is elected, they just run with a party line and... It seems to be that there's reluctance on both sides, whether you're talking progressive or conservative, there's reluctance on both sides to even roll up some sleeves here and state what, as we've been talking about, is truth about male and female. It's a big challenge when you've got nowhere to go with the big parties, Kira Lee. It really is a challenge, Neil, and it's extremely disappointing that, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's the coalition, whether it's Liberal, Labor the Greens or um, anyone in between, uh, it seems at the moment, and there's some independents that are definitely standing out as, as being very on side. But the major parties, as you said, all carry this line, and it's a nonsensical statement that anyone who wants to be a woman can be a woman. And uh, none of them are prepared to deviate from that line, except now we have Senator Claire Chandler, who is preparing a private senator's bill to change all of that. There's some 
politicians uh, such as George Christensen and Amanda Stoker and others who have put up their hand or you know, have come out publicly to state this position. But uh, so far, Senator Claire Chandler is the only one who is prepared to take action on this uh, just at the federal level. And then we have someone like Mark Latham at the state level who, uh, as we mentioned earlier, has gone all the way through in presenting a bill and chairing the committee on these issues. Well, Claire Chandler is looking more and more the champion of uh, this particular issue. The more we continue our conversation, Kira Lee, and uh, no doubt for uh, listeners in Tasmania, some uh, level of compliment to Claire Chandler to support her uh, would be very useful. There's other issues that are happening politically, and at the other extreme, you've got the Greens, and uh, they're now looking for Medicare to pay for medical procedures for people who are transitioning. What are your thoughts around developments that are happening at some of the extreme ends in our political spectrum? Yeah, I think that's quite quite horrifying and quite disturbing, to be honest. They are wanting to lower the ages of consent uh, for transgender surgery. They're wanting Medicare, so you and I, basically, the, the taxpayers, to fund really extreme procedures such as double mastectomies, you know, and they use euphemisms like top surgery to to not make it sound so serious. But, uh, you know, as you and I know, Neil, a double mastectomy, double mastectomy is a very serious operation, removing glands and, uh, and tissues that are perfectly healthy and functioning on most of these people. And they are they're saying, well, because someone feels a certain way that can't be measured, can't be defined, then they should have perfectly healthy breast tissue cut off at taxpayer expense. Uh, and often uh, the, uh, the counter of that is they're very strong proponents of what's called conversion therapy and they don't want these people to have any form of psychiatrist help or uh, psychological help uh, prior to having these things. So it's, it's quite disturbing and, you know, they are getting a voice, they're getting an air in Parliament and they will accuse anyone who opposes them of transphobia. There's another uh, organisation that seems to have morphed uh, the AIDS Council of New South Wales you've driven, uh, drawn some attention to uh, because uh, while uh, we used to celebrate the idea that there would be organisations that would form to uh, would be in support for people who were sufferers of HIV and AIDS, it's now morphed into very much a radical uh, lobby group uh, that's moving in all sorts of ways to try and change the agenda right across the nation. What are your thoughts for what's happened with uh, the AIDS Council of New South Wales? Well, Neil, the more we dig, the more we find, and and that is extremely disturbing as well. So as you said, it uh, began as a very, you know, uh, a very necessary and needed organisation to help people with HIV-AIDS. But the, the AIDS Council of New South Wales now influences and affects a federal government and every in Australia. They have what's called a Pride in Diversity program and it's all about quotas. It's all about the language that's employed at work. It's all about uh, having these diversity days that you and I have spoken about before, like the Wear It Purple days. It's about our toxic tax dollars, sorry, being spent uh, to make sure that, you know, the workplace is inclusive and that there's affirmative action, you know, that that there's enough transgender or gay people being hired by not just private firms, but by government agencies as well. So we have, you know, so many government departments from the Department of Foreign Affairs, Defence, Finance, 
human services, you name it, have signed up to this Pride in Diversity program. We've also got organisations like Rugby Australia. And if I know you've spoken uh, at great length about the Israel Folau issue as it unfolded and since then. And when we understand that Rugby Australia is signed up to this Pride in Diversity program and that they have to use the correct pronouns and they have to be inclusive and all of these things, it shines a little bit more light on why they so aggressively went after someone like Israel Folau. But uh, there's a very, very long list of people or organisations that subscribe to ACON and this Pride in Diversity program, and it really does then shed a different light on things. And let me just say, the ABC is one of those, and I think that makes a lot of sense. When we look at the ABC now, there's a massive increase on programs and news reports uh, on things that are very sympathetic to LGBT issues and there's no criticism whatsoever. And that's all because they're signed up to a Pride in Diversity program using our taxpayer dollars and promoting a very radical political ideology at the expense of biological reality. We are taking calls 1-800-316-316. You might like to have your say on the things we're discussing today with Kira Lee Smith, who leads Binary. Uh, we're taking a call. John is on the line from Wangaratta in Victoria. Hi, John. Welcome. Yes. Morning, Neil. Kira Lee. Um, look, I, I just... Um, um, I grew up at a time when uh, men uh, particularly... Uh, revered women and particularly their uh, wives and sisters and daughters and I'm just amazed that the uh, men of Australia are not standing up and supporting our our women in this um, we just seem to have lost our uh, manliness if I could put it that way it just um, amazes me that um, we can um, just um, John, you make a very, very important point here. Uh, While we're having a conversation like this, it's almost this push that women should stand up because women and girls are missing out on a level playing field and all of these issues around that and somehow or other leaving men out of the equation. As you're saying, men ought to be standing up here and and protecting and in that sense of revering uh, women in our lives. Kiralee, your thoughts for John? Yeah, John, I, I agree. And I mean, as a woman, I'd love to see more men stand up and speak out. And uh, look, there, there are obviously some great men who are doing just that, and we're so thankful for that. But as you say, the culture seems to have shifted so much, and fear seems to be such a dominating uh, narrative, I think, where people are afraid to be called names, they're afraid of their employment or their employers finding out, they're afraid of, uh, you know, being attacked on social media, whatever it is. But we do, we need those men of courage, those men of valour, those men of integrity to stand up and to draw a line in the sand and to, to say enough is enough and there are differences between us and they're good differences and uh, we're both all worth the same to God but we have very different roles and functions in, in how we live out our lives. John in Wangaratta, thank you so much for your call and before we take another call, uh, Kiralee, um you might be thinking it's the women who are standing up. Well, it's not the women who are standing up either because we've spoken before. Uh, the Minister for Women can't even define what a woman is, uh, Maurice Payne. Uh, has there been any developments there? No developments whatsoever. The same with every Minister for Women at the state level now. They all 
uh, they all just parrot the nonsensical statement that anyone who wants to be a woman can be a woman. And it's extremely disappointing that these women uh, are not standing up for, for their own and that it takes someone like a junior uh, you know, Senator like Claire Chandler to do the hard yards and to do the hard work at great risk uh, to her own uh, personal life and to her professional life. But uh, we're very thankful for people like Claire who are willing to stand up and do what needs to be done. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Graham is in Burnie, Tasmania. Hi, Graham. Welcome. Hello. Look, you know, the spirituality is that we've all rejected God. Our politicians were actually reflecting what Isaiah chapter 3 says. You know, he said that your leaders will lead you to air. On top of that, it goes on uh, about they're proud of what they do, like Sodom and Gomorrah. Our nations, our people were in trouble because you've got so many people, politicians, that are uh, perverted, perverted and rejected God. So we got we get all our curses on us. Very interesting point, Graham. A response from Kiralee. Yeah, uh, that's very true, Graham. And people are rejecting God. They're rejecting the Word of God, uh, and they are boasting and very prideful in things of this world. And they're unfortunately very harmful things. I mean, anything that's not within God's plan is harmful. His plan for us is good. He's always good. He has the best for us. And when we follow His plan, when we follow uh, his word, then we have life and we have it in abundance when we follow his son. Um, and unfortunately, even those in public office who profess to know Jesus seem to make very uh, interesting decisions, don't they, when it comes to uh, standing up for, for God, for life, for sanctity of life, for gender, for all of those issues. Graham in Burnie, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Uh, just, uh, you know, before we move on, and we can't get into a deep conversation here, but for listeners to do a little more research, does rejecting God bring a curse on a nation? You might try reading some of those passages out of Deuteronomy or even Romans chapter 1 because there is a certain way that you can discuss what happens to a nation that rejects God. And yes, you can say it could be aligned with a curse. Uh, so uh, yes, uh, have a little read of that and uh, do some research there. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Jonathan in Perth. Hello, oh, Jonathan. Yeah, hello. Hi, Jonathan. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, Neil, what you are talking about is, uh, I think the other speakers say uh, clearly, you know, from the creation, these things are being here, uh, man, woman, between you are man, woman, uh, we have it even in Africa. But they were not pronounced by government, they were not thing government to put into constitution and say, don't speak against these people, don't do this. It is because what he said is that because they, they want to correct God that God is wrong, they are right. So government want to face sin to make it right. And so they clash it with each other. And uh, if you don't order, uh, respect the other person, you are going to be in prison when you talk about their belief, you will be good book out of a work, you will do this and that. That is not have nothing to do with government. We know from creation, these things are being here and they will be here until we, we depart from this world. So it's nothing to put in law, but they just want favoritism so people will vote for them. So this is why they're doing all this thing. But Jonathan, really, it's to key against Christianity. That's all. 
the idea of wanting to correct God. Uh, God was wrong, we got it right, and a whole movement that tries to support that idea. I guess that's what makes it an anti-Christian movement. Uh, Kiralee, your thought around uh, Jonathan and what he's sharing. Yeah, look, I do think that uh, throughout the ages, you know, there's been moves, obviously, to... Uh, go against God and to remove his ordinances and this is another one of those things and we know from the Marxist manifestos, from the socialist agenda, from all of those things that there's been a very deliberate action over the last century to dismantle the family, to uh, remove the sanctity of life, to do all of these things and that it's not by accident, it is by design that those who hate God and hate his ways have been orchestrating this for, for many, many years, and uh, now we find ourselves in this position, and it is time that Christians and churches stand up and pro- proclaim the truth uh, for the sake of the, the women, the children, families in our nation uh, who are suffering as a result of that. Jonathan in Perth, thank you so much for your call, and time's running short. I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk about a pre-election fight. Now, uh, an election coming into the new year, could be March, could be April, could be May, sometime it's coming in the new year. A pre-election fight, Kiralee, you're drawing attention to these issues and you're trying to rustle up a little support. I know you could do with a few more friends. I know there could be a few more dollars in, uh, you know, a fighting fund to get these things up and going. How would you like for listeners to uh, who are listening to our conversation now, and it's going to be pretty hard for anyone to disagree with you, it doesn't matter where you come from, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, you recognise that women and girls are not on a, an even playing field and there is a tsunami movement uh, to try and uh, introduce a different way of thinking. How can people be effective in having their own voice, uh, perhaps supporting what you're doing with Binary in your pre-election campaign right now? Yes, Neil. Well, we are trying to raise um, $250,000 for this uh, election period. And I want to say to all of you who are not part of our community, please become a part of our community. We appreciate all kinds of support, um, just financial, but we do need the financial support. You'll, you'll, you'll find that you'll have at least 50,000 friends if you join the binary community, which is a great place to be. Uh, and what we're trying to achieve is many, many levels of informing people and all also educating people and uh, that includes both the public and politicians because what we've found is uh, people are, are just hiding behind sorry airports just went flat there yep, 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 yep. Um, yeah um, what we're finding is people are hiding behind this very bad legislation and it needs to be changed but also politicians uh, you know there's you have the, the the bubbles the Canberra bubble and the the parliamentary bubble where the politicians really aren't hearing from people. And then when you compound that with COVID and they're not out and about in the communities listening to people, we need to get the message to them in a much more powerful way. So we have many ways to do that. We have uh, campaigns and volunteer actions that if you become a volunteer with Binary, we will give you more specific information. But it does include things like emailing and phoning politicians' offices. It it will include getting resources together, uh, conducting polls. It's uh, getting the truth trucks out on the road, billboards and the likes, where we can inform people about what's going on so that they can make uh, an informed decision when it comes to the polls next year. 
We're always humbled to hear that there are organisations like Binary who are attracting a large following and a large yeah, subscription base, and uh, it's quite significant. And when you say uh, when you uh, connect with Binary, you'll be joining up with fifty thousand friends, uh, fifty thousand people who are, uh, in some sense, their supporters of what's coming. And I know when people hear of a fundraising goal, a pre-election war chest, in that sense, because this is a particular issue it focuses on women and girls and of course all of the other dimensions that we've been talking about today but a $250,000 goal in fundraising and I suspect there's some urgency in that because uh, the election come could come earlier than later uh, so uh, 250000 some people will say wow that's not a high enough figure that needs to be a whole <laughs> lot higher than that uh, Kiralee but it gives you an idea of where you're at at binary and the level of expectation that you're going to have upon those who've been financial supporters so I imagine that anyone's got a, a donation whether it be a little one or a large one they'll all be welcome Oh absolutely Neil and uh, you know we have worked out that we need at least that to conduct uh, an effective campaign coming into the election period and as you said it's a short amount of time we have the Christmas New Year break in all of that where things you know we go into a lull and so we really won't have a lot of time once the New Year kicks in to get this message out there and we need to be creative we need to be effective Uh, there's already billboard companies that reject messages such as ours and so we need to be funding things like these private trucks uh, to get the message out there and other resources where we can um, really make ourselves stand out from the crowd I guess. The website is binary.org.au and uh, binary that just uh, very simply means Kiralee uh, male and female uh, two different uh, levels there male and female not necessarily those crossovers that we're hearing about that's causing all sorts of challenges binary.org.au a $250,000 fundraising goal 50,000 others uh, already friends of what Binary is doing you'll be able to catch up with their campaigns and Kiralee you've got an ebook that people can download too the trans threat to women in sport how's the take-up been of that because people can simply go to your website and download that uh people been taking up that opportunity oh absolutely and we welcome anyone who wants to contact me at info at binary.org.au i'm very happy to send you the link to that uh it's a great resource that you can share with family and friends and your sporting community in particular that just lays out the, the simple facts of the differences between males and females and why we need protections for women and girls in sport. Very controversial conversation that we've had over this past hour and you might be wondering whether this is something you can support. I'd say check out binary.org.au. Kiralee Smith, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you for having me, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.